0: Now, without further ado, this episode of The Daily Reprieve.
1: Welcome, everybody. My name's Farley, and I am a recovering sexaholic. My co-leader here is (laughs) Don, and the topic we're sharing on is in the traditions, Tradition 5 and Tradition 6. Please turn off any electronic devices that may interrupt us, and please do not record any of this session, except we'll at least do the recording. In the spirit of the fifth tradition, to carry the message this session is recorded. The recorder will not be turned off during the session. If you do not want to be recorded but need to share, we encourage you to attend another non-recorded meeting. Please do not touch the recording equipment. If you want to share, come up to the front and sit next to us and use the microphone. Please leave the microphone on the table and don't touch it because it makes noise on the recording. Thank you. And one other thing I'll mention is if you get really close to it, uh, we get a lot of yellow and red lights beeping over there, so it can pick up quite a bit. Quite a bit. Let's begin with a moment of silence for all of those still suffering or unable to attend a meeting, followed by the serenity prayer. <clears throat> Just uh, have a moment of silence for those still suffering both in and out of the rooms. God, God. grant grant us sanity to accept accept the things things we cannot change, change, the courage to change change the things things I can, and the wisdom wisdom to know the difference. Thy Thy will, will not mine, be done. Um, so the way this is going to go is uh, Don and I are going to share uh, about, for about five or six minutes uh, some of our experiences with Tradition 5 and Tradition 6, and then we'll have you guys come on up. And uh, we'll monitor the time here, but it's a fairly small group, so uh, you know if you get too long-winded, we'll just simply reach over and tap you on your shoulder. All right, so... Um, you're pointing to me, Don? Yeah. Um, tradition five. Each group has about one primary purpose, to carry its message to the alcoholic or the sexaholic who still suffers. Um, there's just a little bit in here I, I think I wanted to read. It says, better to do one thing supremely well than many badly. That's the central theme of this tradition. Around it, our society gathers in unity, the very life of our fellowship requires the perservate. preservation of this principle. Yeah, I'm um, thinking about this this morning, just realizing just how much extra I have discovered about myself uh, through this program of recovery, where I've had to turn to professionals. Where I've had to uh, turn to people and other uh, other fellowships who have just carried a, a, a beautiful message to me, and yet how much more I want to enhance this program, how much more I really want this program to um, to grow, because I found so much that I think can enhance it. Um, you know that's. I've, I've done so much in terms of service work to try and bring sexaholics together. And, and I, was, um, I, I shared a little bit in a, in a meeting before this about you know, how I would drop off pamphlets at, at support networks and at AA groups and anybody who suggested they had any problem with sex that I would give them a pamphlet and tell them I've got a program that's going to save your life. You know, And I became the Johnny Appleseed of Sexaholics Anonymous because this is the program that saved my life, so it will save yours. And um, I went through all kinds of different things to enhance that. Up where we live in Canada, uh, we're a little isolated, so we would bring in speakers from Simi Valley, California. We would bring in people from Chicago. We would bring in people from Nashville. From Portland, for wherever we could find long-term sobriety, we would bring people in and bring their message in. And every time it humbled me that these people would come in and they would just be about the program, not about themselves. And I and I have learned that just bit by bit, that this is not about Farley saving the world. This is about people coming together for a common purpose. And that's why I keep coming back. And I just wanted to read a little bit about Tradition 6 here. It says, An AA group ought never endorse finance or lend an AA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, less problems of money, property, and prestige, diverted from a primary purpose. So that's, that Tradition 5, to me, is about humility. Tradition 6 is about ego deflation again. You know, like, like why, why am I trying to uh, make this the greatest thing in the world? You know, how? Why, why do I believe I've got to promote this? Because I, I will promote it. I, I promote it to everybody I, I run into if there's any possibility. Uh, in reading this a little further, um, is the acceptance that this program has saved my life and I have to do everything to protect this program. I can't, I can't drag people in here. I can't drag people to recovery. All I can do is be honest and share what I really can. And uh, <laughs> just, just to finish off here, at, at the last session in this room, this lady came up and said, I just learned a new acronym. It's WAIT. Why am I talking? <laughs> <laughs> and with that, I'll pass it over to Don. <laughs>
2: I'm um, Don Sexaholics in Antonio, Texas. Uh, the, the ones that were holding up Harvey's talk in the other room. That's right. Huh? <laughs> so uh, <clears throat> we have just uh, reached a goal here at 1030 on Saturday morning of having the uh, lowest attendance of any meeting in this room. So, uh, uh, Perfect. So, uh, you know, when you reach for the bottom, that's... Uh, that, that's that's something um <clears throat> i've had a new way of introducing myself in aa anymore and i don't talk very much in aa because i uh i'm gonna have 15 years in 10 more days so that's a small resentment of always having to go in the 14-year line and 10 days from now I'll have 15 years yeah. and uh so the ego is wanting to have 15 years but in in aa that's nothing that's nothing my sponsor is 61 years in, in aa and uh but my new way when I'm called upon, which I will be at my birthday and so forth, uh, of introducing myself is that I had a very, very easy, easy first day of sobriety, uh, in AA and SA. My sobriety day is the same thing, July 23rd of o- July 24th of 03. And, uh, so I was in jail that day and there was no, uh, no vodka and there was no prostitutes in that, uh, in that cell with me. I was sober. That was a pretty easy sober day, you know. And I hadn't had a sober day like that in in a long long time. So uh that was that was sobriety. That was my first taste of sobriety. Uh, that's the way of sneaking sneaking in uh to the AA meeting. This and I, and I say yeah, my two major addictions were handled that day. You know, that's <laughs> that's what I the way that I say. It. And uh <clears throat> but carrying the message uh, you know, The way I did it is the only way that that's, that's going to work the only way period. And I was like that for many years that, you know, this, this is the only way. And it is the way that's proven to work that, uh, uh, we were hosting an AA speaker in front of a thousand Alkies, And I'm up at the podium introducing, running the meeting. We start with the serenity prayer and so forth. uh, And then I have to introduce uh, two people to do minor readings. And uh, one is uh, Joanne and the other one is Marianne, my wife. And uh, so I'm doing the AA primary purpose, just like this, the AA primary purpose. I'm going on, and in my mind I'm confused, Uh, ah, uh, our primary purpose and so forth. And I'm on automatic, because you've heard it 10,000 times, and... uh, Hey, Marianne, Joanne, Joanne, Marianne, who's first? And so forth. I get to the very last sentence. It's the only difference between our primary purpose and their primary purpose. <clears throat> and there's a thousand alkie's out there. And uh, I say our primary purpose is to stay sexually sober and help other people <laughs> to, uh, to, uh, to stay sexually sober. Now, I didn't know what I said, okay? I, I, I didn't realize I said that. Uh, Many other people realized what I said. (coughs) But I didn't realize what I said. And so uh, afterwards, one of our little guys who, our little guys, our little SA guys comes around. Did you mean to say that? Did you mean to say that? And I said, say what? He said, sexually sober. I I didn't say that. I looked over at my wife and the speaker, and they—they're uh, they're saying, "Yeah, yeah, you said that." And the—and the speaker said it was a lady. She said, uh, "I thought I'd have to change my whole talk here tonight." <laughs> at, uh, so, uh, but anyway, so that's. Uh, but two or three hundred of the people I had told individually uh, uh, who I am, what I am, where I am uh, uh, within the the uh, the group of addicted alcoholics and so forth uh uh, the traditions uh god knows i'm not a rules kind of person and the traditions smell like rules to me and uh, uh so i in in general i'm uh not a big tradition guy but this one tradition five i do think primary purpose and uh singular singular how do you say that again let me see singular primary purpose the Primary one purpose is to uh, uh, carry the message and help uh, the other sex addict that still suffers, and because uh, we're the lucky ones, we're sitting in here and we uh, we 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 know the, we know who we are and we know what the answer is, and uh, so uh, Mike C has come down to our city. Uh, we have a. <clears throat> Uh, a day in recovery for the last eight or nine years, and he talks about the culture of sobriety, and i've uh, I copy and whatever, and uh, so I call it contagious sobriety, and we got a ton of contagious sobriety last night uh, in that in that room, which is uh, uh, I went to the other bigger program was the only thing we had in our city when I started, and I went to one convention and never heard the word sobriety mentioned for an entire weekend was apparently a very unimportant thing, if you you never hear it talked about. And uh, so the thing that impressed me, and I'm compulsive addictive, it's my 26th consecutive uh, uh, convention. I will be at, uh, if I'm alive, I will be in Spain, uh, and I'm luckily able to be there. So, uh, uh, but here, that's So on Friday night, when we went last night with twelve hundred and something years and so many days and whatever of sobriety, that impressed me. That's that's what it's about to show that it can work, to show that it can work that it does not that it can work that it does work, that it's working in actuality uh, uh, today, and uh, so uh, God has transformed some of what were uh, uh, character defects in me. Uh, I still sit at something recording, and I brag about graduating last in my high school class and last in my college class. And uh, still bragging about that. I'll be 72 pretty soon, and I'm going to die bragging about that. But to accomplish that tremendous feat, I had to cheat my ass off. To, to make that, to make that happen. I had to cheat and plagiarize and lie and everything else my entire life. And they just said that I cursed on cheating my ass off back there. The, <laughs> the, the two, the two from Baton Rouge back there. That, uh, um, anyway. So, uh, um, um, I had to cheat and lie and, and, uh, and plagiarize and everything else. That has turned into one heck of a feature and a benefit for me my plagiarism and my cheating and my copying and everything else because the simplicity of the program is copy what sober people do now the only judgment i had to make is am i going to copy off of stupid people or am i going to copy off of somebody that is successful in the program so i was lucky enough i flipped a coin do i want to Copy stupid people or successful people. It came up that I'm going to copy successful people. And, uh, how simple is that? How simple is that? You know, so anyway, that primary purpose is to be able to be copied now once you have some sobriety that somebody else can copy. Uh, what uh, what is being done and uh, last night was just uh, that's my favorite part of every convention is the chip ceremony so uh, uh, thank you for being part of the smallest meeting in, uh in this uh, in this room so
1: anyway Thanks, Doug. thank you Thanks, Doug. Um, in participation you will now have the opportunity to share with the group please focus on the topic of the meeting uh, we're, what we're going to do... I'll get my computer off here. As we're going to have you come up, You have got a couple of waiting chairs and one speaking chair here. Uh, so like sharing in any essay meeting, please limit your sharing to the topic, avoiding explicit description or distracting comments and focusing on the solution rather than the problem. Please do not share anything that legally would have to be reported to the authorities. Please line up to our left... So we don't have to wait for each person to come up. Please speak loud enough for all of you to hear. You each have, like I mentioned, three to five minutes to share here. Um, And once again, uh, don't get too close to the mic. It uh, causes it to go red over there. So please come on up.
3: hi i'm john i'm a recovering sexaholic hey, john. Uh, uh really grateful for the topic and the and the leads um, I got confused as I often do in life um, you know, having had a few years of sobriety under my belt, I thought that I was doing just fine, and you know they talk about the two stepper and i I don't know if I was a two stepper but I certainly uh can tell you that. One of the big mistakes I made, and this is all due to lack of humility, was that rather than carrying the message, I was carrying my message. And my message wasn't about what worked for me. It was what I think is going to work for you. (laughs) And, man, uh, did I get myself in a heap of trouble. Uh, Really, really, I, I found myself... Uh, telling people uh, that they should see a certain therapist. I found people, I was telling people that they should go to a certain meeting. I was telling people they should work a step a certain way. And, and what I was telling them was not the message. The message I've learned is I only have one thing. One thing. That's my story. That's how the program has worked for me. That's the only truth I know. The rest of it is up here, and and when I start to spill that out and pour it onto somebody else, and and mess them up, I, I'm not no longer carrying the message. I'm actually hurting them. Uh, it was a good lesson for me. My luckily I have a good sponsor. He smelled it pretty quickly and <laughs> um, got on me, and uh, and I'm I'm trying to hit my knees every day, but. Um, you know, I've gotten into uh, situations where people get convinced, not just me, other people get convinced that the way to carry the message is the way they'd like to carry the message. And I, 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 I struggle with that because there's only one message and it's my story and, you know, that this works. And here's how it worked for me. It does work, and it can work for you, but this is how it worked for me. The rest of it, I have no business talking about. So um, with that, I'll pass. Thank you. Thanks, John.
4: Thanks, John. I'm Jay Sexaholic. Jay. Gratefully sober since July 11, 2010. I um, appreciate the shares, and I appreciate the, um, I think the word infectious was used. And so it. It makes me ask the question, what does it mean to be a carrier? When I think of infectious disease, somebody is a carrier who has the disease flowing through his or her body. In other words, it's, it's part of them. It's in their circulatory system. Um, I'll stop there because that's the extent of my medical expertise. <laughs> um, but uh, I have a certain grandiosity which thinks that I can, quote, change the world. And um, what I have to do is to make it very simple. And I remember, to paraphrase the author of our 11-step prayer, carry the message and, if necessary, use words. <laughs> <laughs> and so it's really about the simple part of the program, blocking and tackling. And so it's my own program, working my own program, Doing what I need to do, being in touch with my sponsor, working steps, doing service, all of that. And then the one-on-one with my sponsees or others in the programs, sharing my experience, strength and hope. Um, if they want advice, they'll ask me, but I can share that. And out of that becomes um along with others in the program the ability to carry the message. So I carry the message, the group carries the message. Um, we all carry the message. And um because I have to remember that I'm in these rooms because I could not manage my own life. So how am I going to manage somebody else's life or SA's life or anything? I can't. It has to be very, very simple. Um, we have a certain football team in our hometown of Jacksonville that's doing a lot better, partly because they have a coach named, or a vice president named Tom Coughlin, who's come in and said, we need to get really back to basics. And we need to do it 12 months out of the year. And if we do that, we focus on that, we will be successful. And I think that's the wisdom of our program, is the simple working of my program and with someone else's Helping someone else, uh, sharing my experience, strength, and hope, and that's how I carry the message. Thanks. All
1: right, thanks,
5: I am Fitz of St. Louis uh, with one year of sobriety. I've been around for about 20 years. Um, and I follow a different drummer, I'm kind of pattern breaker. I try to be. Um, I have worked with two groups of people who obviously are really hurting because they are in bad, terrible marriages. I'm not married. The one group I belong to much more fully because their problem was one that I shared, sexualism. We could freely talk about it. The other group was capable of talking about the sadness in the marriage, the things that were hurting them. But one thing I knew after about 10 years of working with them and the couples who talked to them was that they didn't talk about sexual addiction and its destructive nature. So what I've been trying to do for the last 10 years is build a bridge between the two groups. Cross-polemization. It's easier to convince someone that they're in a a sad, bickering, tired marriage than it is to convince someone, at least where where I'm sitting, I don't have people coming up and saying, you know, let me tell you about my sex life. All right, let me tell you how terrible I feel about my pornography. You know, maybe you're luckier than I am, and you've got them pouring in. But if you don't talk to the people who got the problem, or get them to talk to you, you just talk preaching to the choir. So where I can, I sort of nudge a sexaholic into a situation where he and his wife can confront things with support, not about the sex holism, but about their marriage. And the next step will be to try to get them to get that message to an essay table. In whatever way God makes possible. If it's a couple who only talks marriages, and the troubled marriage they've had, and what sexaholism did to their marriage, but they've never been to an essay meeting, I don't care. As long as the guys I listen to whose marriages are crumbling because their wives have no way of communicating their pain and they have no way, the men have no way of dealing with their responsibility and entering into that pain, I want to help save the marriages of the guys at the table. And I know there are ways we haven't tried yet. Like I say, I'm a commercial, but I believe in what I preach. Thank you.
6: I'm Bill, a recovering sexaholic. I'm from Chicago. I've been sober since March of 2016. Uh, We're not big into traditions in our group. We haven't gone over much of them. But we do talk frequently before we do the serenity prayer about the people who are out there still hurting. And that bothers me a little bit because I believe that. I mean, most of the guys in our group came from because they got caught. Uh, And as I said yesterday, their first response was, i got to be better at this so I don't get caught. (laughs) Well, maybe there's something wrong with you. No, i just got to be better. I shouldn't leave the computer open and things like that. Or they got referred uh, from therapists. Or they fortunately were realized they had a problem. They called the number and somebody sent them. Um, but I really am concerned about the people out there and I don't know how exactly to find them. Uh, I mean, how many have you seen TV programs about having an intervention for a sexaholic? I mean, there's interventions for alcoholics and for narco. I just. It really concerns me when we say this, because I don't know exactly how to find the people. I mean, one of our homes is in a town of 150,000 people. There's no SA group. Uh, I drive an hour, two hours, hour each way, to go to an SA group, and it's a you know statistically of a town of 150,000 people. There's got to be a lot of people out there suffering. I used to say guys. But coming to these meetings, I know that that's the wrong word to use anymore because I've seen women here and being very honest about their addiction. So my problem working through this is how am I going to find people, especially when you look at Tradition 12, is there should be secrecy. I work with that and I get disturbed because every time we say that in a meeting about those people out there suffering and since we feel like we have an answer I'm not saying it's the only answer you know they've been de- de- debating for years for whether alcoholism or where sexism is a disease or not a disease you know and I've shared in my group I don't care what the big people decide and apparently 2 days ago they did decide that it was a disease, so it, that's kind of neat. Uh, but I don't need to know that, because I said, for me, I, it's, I'm lost. So I don't know how we find these people. Um, I, I just, you know, do we wear SA shirts? Well, then <laughs> then we're not supposed to do that. So I just share with you my heartfelt problem with this and my, my sadness for people that I don't know how we reach Thank
7: you is that. A minute? Thank you. Hi, everybody. My name is Bob Ford. I'm a real sexaholic. Hi, by the grace of God, I've been sober since October 16th of 1991. And for that, I will never sufficiently be grateful. In the 12 and 12, Tradition 5 in the long form says, each Alcoholics Anonymous, or I'm going to say Sexaholics Anonymous group, to be a spiritual entity, having but one primary purpose, that of carrying its message to the sexaholic who still suffers. What I see as a problem in the groups that I go to is that we don't know what our message is. If your group is going to carry its message, what is your group's message? I belong to one SA group, and our message is that if you study the literature and take the steps, You can have the same thing happen to you that happened to us. And we've gotten sexually sober and progressively having victory over lust. The steps are the program. And if I'm not taking those steps, I'm not getting the program. Early on in my recovery, I was involved in another group. And the church that we were meeting at asked us to leave because a Presbyterian minister somewhere in Nebraska got arrested for whatever, and they, they didn't want to have they didn't want to have that connection with us, and they gave us plenty of time to get out. Of course, we got pissed off and left that day <laughs> <laughs> And we started meeting in a park until we found another place to meet, and what we found was this little this little um, office area, not in the best part of town, it was underneath a barbecue, but we rented it for one hundred and seventy five dollars a month and started having our meetings there. Then one of us got this great idea that we should form a a, an, a little business, as you will, uh, incorporated to to rent this space so that the groups weren't stuck for it. And we spent every intergroup meeting talking about how to do that and who was going to be president and who. I mean, it just went on and on. And and somebody came up and says, "If you look at this sixth tradition here, it says we're not supposed to do this." We all said, that's okay, we're going to do it anyway. <laughs> here we are, 30 years later, we have moved up to a space now that's a little bigger, it's got three meeting rooms, and almost all of our seventh tradition goes to paying that rent. So I didn't like that, so I went out and I got a church and started having a meeting in its basement. And both, both are going very well. Anyway, thank you for being here and helping me with my sobriety.
8: Mike, it's Sexaholic from Jersey. Uh, What's that say here now? What are we doing? Five. But each group has, but what, primary one primary purpose to carry its message to the sexaholics who still suffers. Wait, why am I talking? <laughs> I want to share with you my experience. I was living in a place way out in the boondocks, some fellow passed by, we were talking, he kind of dropped a hint about there was such a thing as sexualism, and I went and talked to him a couple times, and it, he, he made me buy the white book. I bought the white book, I read the white book, and there it was. <laughs> that was me. <laughs> what a shock that was. Uh, but anyway, uh, I couldn't get to a meeting for two years I mean, where I was living. And uh thinking about this uh, tradition, you know, that man who who I met that day and you know, who I spoke to for a week and then he disappeared, uh was somehow God was at work and sent him from that group that he belonged to back here in the States. And that, it was that group that sent him with the message. And I was lucky enough to hear it. And so two years later, I come back and uh, went to my first meeting. And uh, what happens? I I do become sober. I have a sponsor. I work the steps. I do all that kind of good stuff. And and, uh, so now I'm sober 19 years maybe. And uh, going through that, those years, I see the first year or two or three I was there because I wanted to be sober. And this was the way you do become sober, working the steps. But then, you know, I got kind of tired of meetings, you know, five, six, seven, nine years, you know. And why do I go to meetings? I am sober in ten years. Why am I going to meetings? Because I need it? No. How stupid I was. You know why I went to meetings for a year or two or three? I wanted... Because that group was there for, that group was there for me when I needed them and they gave me the message. And so that's why I was going to meetings. For the newcomer, for the newcomer. Put us all back. I'm back because I gotta go. I need the meetings. I have to work the steps. And it's the group that really carries the message. And when a newcomer comes, that's what he's going to hear, the message of the
9: group. Thank you. Thank you. Hi, hi group. I'm Mike, sexaholic. I'm I'm from Chicago and uh, sober since uh, May 13th, 2013. Um, I... I go to a lot of meetings every week. I've been uh since I became sober, I and uh four meetings to be exact. And uh, I usually don't don't miss meetings unless, you know, for uh, there's an unusual situation, but what what I found is that um there's there's a lot of Newcomers that come to our meetings, and um, so I, I know that um, in our, you know, where we live, that there's never a um, a lack of people who at least want to are curious enough about the S programs that they that they want to um, at least see what it's about. And, um, and I guess what I, what I would, uh, would like to see is that a lot more of those newcomers stay in the program because re- really there's a lot of people who come and go. So I guess to carry the message for, for the people who are already, you know, who've made the sort of the step to come in and and, I, and, and this, is, this is really a question for me is what can I do to, um, to help those newcomers to, you know, make them feel and what can my group do? To make them feel, you know, like they're welcome and that they're connect that, that maybe there's a connection and maybe this program is for them. Uh, uh, I know I know this program is for me and the best thing I can do is is uh, reach out and um, you know uh, give people my phone number, give people my uh, you know just let people know that I want them to, to call. I want them to come back. Um, and, uh, so, uh, yeah, so I just, uh, um, and, and for me, I'm an, I'm not an outgoing person. So I, I struggle with, uh, not, you know, uh, you know, not, not being the most, uh, uh, you know, sort of um friendly and gregarious person but anyway um i'm glad to uh uh thank you for letting me talk
10: All right, bye.
11: Thank you. Bye. i'm bill from baton rouge louisiana i'm um, <laughs> one of don sponsee's uh We haven't been very strong in Baton Rouge, and I've been to a lot of these internationals, met Don at my first international, and I needed that connection. But it's much better having a face-to-face connection with other people there working at SA. Um, My sobriety date is April the 3rd of last year. Uh, I wish I could say my been around date was and sobriety date was closer together. Uh, I tend to work with people who have a a long been around date, but uh we're getting better, and what i'm seeing is one of the things I don't think Don shares here is there's a difference between the fellowship and the fellow slip. sobriety is contagious. And I've seen it get better. For me, there's other people in the Baton Rouge area working the SA program. You know, I'm there in that meeting to work on my addiction to lust. I've got all kinds of other problems. But I'm there because I have an addiction to lust. And lust has often been the answer to my life problems. And... I had to learn how to put God first to fill up what was missing in me instead of lust or other dysfunctional behavior. Um, One of the things I do is I carry pamphlets around now to supplement our group pamphlets and newcomer pamphlets because if I have that newcomer who talks about this problem, I want to be able to give them that pamphlet and say, this is my experience we've had a lot of newcomers come by and we've since taken our meeting location off our website. So we try to brief the people on what we're trying to do because there's different ways, different people in different groups have, um, ways of carrying the message. But I try to carry the message as recovery from lust, our fellowship, um, you know, this is what has worked for me, and this has been the program that is most responsible for my recovery and growth in life. So I'm passionate about it. There's lots of other problems that we have in these rooms. You know, and I try to keep it focused on talking about lust because some of those other things can come out other ways. And I probably need to be a member of Essanon, too, because I still have problems with other sexaholics. Thanks.
1: Thanks. We've got a few minutes left. I'm done, sexaholic. Two
2: things have happened in the last week uh, in the world. And uh, there was an article in uh, uh, syndicated... uh, uh, Dear Abby, or the other one, whatever it is, and so forth, that was on Essanon in this last week. And uh, the Essanon office had 500 phone calls uh, the next day. So it's a little bit similar to what happened in the Look magazine with uh, Jack Alexander back in the, you know. So we get, and then yesterday in the USA Today, which was referred to by somebody, that uh, sex addiction is classified as a medical, not a moral condition. That's a big-ass big, big ass deal. That's a big deal for us to grow, you know, for us to be recognized as, uh, as a not yet on the DSM stuff and all of that that I don't know much about. But that's a biggie. That, that's a biggie. And, uh, you know, we're not a secret society. We're anonymous. But we're not secret. We're not secret. And I can tell anybody who I am. I can't tell anybody who you are. But I can tell anybody, any place, anywhere who I am, what I am, and why I am. So we're, we're not secret. We're not secret. There's a difference between anonymous and secret. So thank you. Thanks. Thanks.
1: <clears throat> We've got time. Please Mike? come up.
10: Mike? I think I've
1: done
10: it both of them before, so it's <laughs> payback. <laughs> it's all right. uh, I'm Mike, uh, a grateful, recovering sexaholic, Amen. and I love this fellowship, and by God's grace in this program, I've been a happy sexaholic for since October 21st, 1999, and that I am never sufficiently grateful. I'm grateful for this program. One of the things that was very difficult for me three and a half years ago was to move from San Diego. It was easy to move, a lot of work, but leaving uh, my friends in San Diego in the fellowship. And the uh, convenience of meetings. I could drive 15 minutes or less and get to five or six meetings uh, quite often. And when I moved to Utah, uh, <clears throat> I had to drive a little bit farther except for one meeting. We had 40 there, and that didn't become my home group, but I went to another. I went to three or four meetings, and one of the things that really helped me about moving there was one of my friends asked me to be uh, a volunteer at the prison to take meetings into the prison. And I said, no, I can't pass the background check. And uh, he challenged me on that. So finally, after badgering me at every meeting that I went to for two weeks, I said, okay, I'll go to the training, do it. Went to the training, two hour, one of these. And I dozed off a little bit like I did here today. And I listened to what he had to say and filled the form out, turned it in. And went back and called this guy and said, hey, I finished the training. Now don't bother me anymore about going, about going doing it. He said, good. Uh, we have meetings this night, this night, and this night. Uh, you'll get your badge in about two weeks. And I said, how do you know? He says, I got faith they'll pass you. So what happened two weeks later? I got my badge. And I've been going to the prison twice a week for the last three years, taking a meeting there. Sometimes we have zero, sometimes we have five. And what I was fearing of had nothing to do with what God wanted me to do, and that was it. And I've gotten four or five other guys to sign up to do it too. But going into the prison and sharing my story with them and them sharing their story with me and to see the transition of what brought them there and accepting that they're a sexaholic, and they're responsible for their own recovery. Not the family, the friends, or anything. And one of the things I firmly believe in SA is I need to do this program for me. If I do not do it first for me, then nothing else is going to happen that's really, really long-lasting. And I remember when I told my wife that. She said, we'll see about that. You better do it for me. And then we met with my therapist and my wife and I and she let him have it. And he just said nothing. I thought he was scared of her. <laughs> but now he was just listening to the message from my wife, the heart, hurt, heartache and sorrow. And in this program, I learned that I am learning each and every day that I need to stay sober today. I can't worry about tomorrow because tomorrow isn't here and yesterday is a past. And one of the things I firmly believe is the past is called the past because it's in the past. Let it go, Mike. It really was hard for me to let go of the damage I'd done to so many people. But working with the sponsor and working the steps, and I'll end with this. In the 12 and 12, it says, the 12 steps of Sexaholics Anonymous are spiritual in nature if I follow them as a way of life it will expel the obsession for me to lust and make me happily and usefully whole. Thank you. Thank you, Mike. I still owe you.
3: <laughs>
1: Actually, our, our time is up, unfortunately. It's 11.20. 11, 11 <laughs> yeah. yeah. All right, uh, anything you've heard at this meeting is strictly the opinion of the individual participant. Let's all stand and uh, say the third step prayer, please. God, God I offer myself to thee, to
5: with me, to do with me as I will, for me in the bondage of self, and I may better do thy will.
1: Take away my difficulties, that victory over them may bear witness to those I would help of thy power, thy love, and thy way of life. May I do thy will always. Keep coming back. It works if you work. It's it, work, a Something like that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Who uh, yeah. well, <laughs> <we> came from, <laughs> <high> level, <laughs> yeah, yeah, from we we the city of 150 to find that article? Yeah, did and yeah. the and the Esenon article, well, wasn't yeah, the phone
2: calls uh, this That is stunning. Yeah, yeah. So things are progressing, uh, and as long as we don't keep it secret, that there is an answer. Uh, you, know, you know, I think once, once you're sober, you ought to tell people there's
1: an answer. You know? it's yeah,
2: a big, it's a big problem.
1: Yeah. Uh, where
0: are you from, Bob? Omaha. Okay, man, with uh. Weaponry?
7: Many years of that's beautiful.
0: Well, I I would like to thank you for listening to this episode of the Daily Reprieve, the best source for experience, strength, and hope for SA members. Please subscribe to this podcast to be alerted of new episodes. Please show your support by donating to the Daily Reprieve.